Welcome to episode 7 of season 3 of the Should Have Backed It podcast on a premiere day of Group 1 Racing, a Western Australian solar show with jockey Willie Pike having a day to remember. Picking up four big races including the Caulfield Stakes aboard Arcadia Queen and the feature Caulfield Guineas on Ole Kirk. While in Sydney, Boom Philly Montefilia picked up her second Group 1 in as many weeks with a dominant win in the Spring Champion Stakes. Helping me dissect all the action is the Herald Sun's number one tipster, Chris Finuccio. Looked like a mixed day for you out there, Big V. What was your highlight? Hello, Phil. Great to be here again. Yeah, it seemed to be an up and down day for the punters. I think they jumped out of the blocks early. A couple of shorties got up and and plenty of favourites. I think towards the back end of the program, the bookies got a lot of that money back. So I was in the same situation. I got a couple right with Dirty Work and Ollie Kirk, but I also got it got it wrong with Hungry Heart and Junipal, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast. Mate, it was uh, devastating to see that the uh, Big V double didn't get up. Actually, you didn't get to give it a chance to get up this week because you decided to put three horses in for your best bets this week, um, with Ollie Kirk being the most notable one there in the Caulfield Guineas that saluted. Yeah, at least that got up for me, thank goodness, and a good price too. I thought it was getting a bit too easy picking two each week. So oh, I thought I'd go, go three, and, and uh, no, it didn't work out for me. What did you think of Ollie Kirk's run there? You, you just mentioned it there. It looked a bit worrisome sort of midway through the race, but, uh, yeah, the, the jockey there was able to weave a, weave a passage, and it won quite convincingly in the end. Yeah, it was a great performance, and I was just surprised late in the day how a lot of horses were just three wide, four wide, and I seemed to be to back a couple of horses that looked to get a good position in the run, but then had horses that were next to them three wide. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, get out of the way. You know, you're gonna, I'm going to get blocked for a run. And, and I thought Ollie Kirk was in a fantastic position, but he had um, – I can't remember which horse he had next to him, but he had, he had a horse three wide. And then all these wide horses, they – mid-race, they start making a move and you get shuffled back and – I just thought if Ollie Kirk can get a gap, you know, he, he might be able to still win. And, and yeah, he, he's um, done a good job this prep and it was great to see 420 come up because I thought after the um, scratching of Glenn Fiddick, I thought the market overreacted a lot. He came into as short as 320 on the Wednesday, Thursday. And it's just when that scratching happened, it was just... The, the early punters just wanted to get on him. And then on Friday and Saturday, thankfully, there was a lot of talk about Tagaloa and the money for Tagaloa enabled Ollie Kirk to come out. So I thought 420 was a reasonable price. So I was expecting Ollie Kirk to maybe pay 380 I thought that would have been a fair price as well, an SP. So, Well, I think the horse that we came back on, Ollie Kirk, was actually Tagaloa in the end. Um, I think... I think they were looking to sort of use Tagaloa as a trail into the race, and it turned out that uh, as soon as the uh, whips were cracking, Tagaloa started going backwards. So I'll be keen to see what happened to that horse because it was the firmer on the day coming into a, about yeah. a $4 second favourite, I think, by the time they jumped. And I wasn't crazy about Tagaloa. I was prepared to take him on. I know he, I know he ran against the older horses in the, I think it's the Sir Rupert Clark, but I don't think it was... He was only two lengths behind, but I don't think it was a great race apart from the winner. So happy to be against him. I, don't, I didn't see anything that said to me, "Yeah, he's going to. He's the one for the for the guineas." I was happy to 
stick with Ollie Kirk after winning the Golden Rose. I said that in the earlier podcast as well and made my decision a lot easier when North Pacific went to the paddock. So, yeah, I stuck with him. I just had to be patient, got the 420 in the end. And thankfully, you know, there was a bit of a spruik on Tagaloa on Friday and Saturday that enabled to get enabled us to get a good price on the winner. Well, mate, we might move straight along to our should have backed it for the weekend. Um, we saw Hugh Bowman come down and enjoy the join the Melbourne Carnival uh, from Sydney there, and he rode a winner in the fourth, which uh, you thought you should have been on in Fiesta. Yeah, and paid a good price too. I had it as a horse to follow in our, one of our earlier podcasts when it ran had a flashing second to Felicia, but Felicia was in this race again, and I thought... You know, they were both drawn wide, but I thought Felicia had the tactical speed to go forward. Fiesta would get back again, and I was with Felicia. I did pick Fiesta as my second horse, but in the end, they've run one, two, and it was the other way around. I was just, I would have liked to have seen Fiesta running a race without Felicia. Would have made my decision a lot easier. Tell you what, a horse in that race, Broadway and fourth, doesn't do itself any favours, does it? Missed to start completely. Settled last as a result and ended up storming home and probably wins the race if uh, all things being equal. But, you know, you're not, it's not doing itself any favours by missing the start like that. Yeah, and that's his... And he also his pattern is to get back. And, yeah. look, he's, I think I've been on him once and he's let me down. So he's the type of horse I'm happy to just give a miss. If, I, if I'm in a race where, he, where she's in it and I back something else and Broadway and Forth happens to win the race, I think you just got to cop it because if you back a horse like this, you're probably going to lose more than you win because of its pattern and also that habit of being slow out of the barriers. Good save there as well, Big V. It is uh, Broadway and Forth is a mare. But I will move straight along to my should have backed it for the weekend, and that was actually over in race four, corresponding race, I suppose, over there at Randwick. And a horse there that I'd been on its first two starts of this campaign, She's Ideal, uh, who... Did almost did what Broadway and Forth tried to do, and it's come from last. Absolutely looked gone on the turn, I thought, but stormed home to win in a blanket finish there in the fourth race at uh, at Randwick and paid a paid a nice little price there, five or six dollars. So I was disappointed after sticking with her in her first two starts to miss her third up, given that that was probably the peak run of the prep. Yeah, I saw the the race, and she just got there in the end, and. Benchmark 78s, I don't get too involved in, but I know you like a couple of those, a couple of those benchmark races in Sydney, and you, you happen to jag a few as well. Yeah, no, you, you've got to take the good with the bad, Big V. That's punting, isn't it? But on this occasion, I actually didn't get involved in the race. I was just disappointed I, I didn't get involved in uh, in She's Ideal because it was a horse that I'd been with uh, previously, and, yeah, when you saw that price and the way she ran in the end, you can't be anything but disappointed. But speaking of disappointed, Big V, I reckon your biggest bet of the day and the one that you were really hoping would get up was Hungry Heart in the 1,000 guineas. And I know that you should have stacked it for the weekend and I guess a bit disappointing in the end, never was really in the race. Yeah, and I'm still kicking myself that I backed the horse because I just got sucked in by the price. I thought 340 was pretty decent at the time when I had it, when I got it. And I'm just ruining that Chris Waller decided to accept with the horse. I just wish he had it. I just sent the horse to the paddock after the flight stakes because that was the main concern that I had was it was coming out of a tough run in that race. They went very fast. And the seven-day backup, I just thought, you know, how 
acting on a pull-up, but I thought on paper she's the best horse in the race. Being a three-year-old, maybe they can back it up, but, yeah, she was just flat. I mean, she's she's been beaten the nose by Thermosphere. The last two starts, those two horses have raced against each other in Sydney. Hungry Hearts had a four lengths on that horse, so it just shows you she was flat. She missed the start. I think that's a bad sign. I just think at that show that she was at the end of her preparation. I just wish Chris Waller had just kept her in Sydney. And just on that, I don't think... Um, I think Chris Waller made a couple of bad calls yesterday at Caulfield with Hungry Heart and also with Mwanga just going a bit off track here, <laughs> back to the Caulfield Guineas. I thought Mwanga probably should have ran in the spring champion stakes instead rather than the guineas. I think it was too soon for that horse. It would have, it did help that we got a better price for Ollie Kirk, as we mentioned. But I just think Chris Waller just made a couple of wrong calls with his horses at Caulfield yesterday. Look, back on the Hungry Heart, I actually had the feeling as it was a bit of an afterthought, this race, wasn't it? I don't think they'd considered this race as part of their preparation. And having not been able to pull a win out of the prep, I thought they might have just considered having a throw at the stumps, which is probably why Hungry Heart, at its price, wasn't worth getting on yesterday. It was. It seemed unders for a horse that wasn't really set for this race, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, yeah, you might be right there, but I just thought on her, on the ratings and what she's done, I mean, she she hadn't been winning, but she's been running second to some good horses, and Montefiore has gone on and won the Spring Champion Stakes again. I thought she was worth having a crack at that 340 price, but I think I've just got another lesson here. After These afterthought races, they never turn out well, and I think I might go with you next time. And if it's an afterthought race, I'm just going to stay out. If they happen to win, well and good, but yeah, I think I'll next time I'll be playing it the other way. Yeah, my personally I was on instant celebrity in that race, and yeah, I just have to go a bit too wide in the end, get back horse, and you end up nine wide on the turn. And I thought, gee, half a shot when they went to sprint, but you know you, you can't give some of these quality Group One horses that kind of start and expect to win. So I still thought it was a nice run into third, and I'll be sticking with that moving forward because I think it's proved this prep it's got a decent career ahead of it. I have my doubts on her stepping up to maybe 2,000 and maybe the Oaks trip. I think maybe 14 is her max distance. So I'm with you on following her, but probably not at a longer distance. Well, one horse we won't be following into the spring any longer is Order of the Garda, Big V. And I know this was another one of your better bets of the day in terms of uh, pre-race. And we saw it run around in race 10 in the Herbert Power and... Look, it easily accounted for a similar field last start, obviously on track for the Caulfield Cup before this race for next week. Um, was quite a short quote, I think about $2.50, $2.60. And I was a little bit worried about that, particularly wondering why they were running it in this race, how that married up with them preparing it for the Caulfield Cup next week. So given it was never really ever going to be its grand final, uh, I was a bit disappointed with myself for getting involved in that race. I should have just watched it, see how it went. I understand following that race, it's obviously finished last and performed really poorly, that it now won't go to the Caulfield Cup. Uh, with connections concerned, it just doesn't get 2,400 essentially. So, yeah, I think that was one of the bigger disappointments of the day, Order of the Guardian, you know, right there in the market for the Caulfield Cup and now not in it. Yeah, I expected the horse to win. I, I didn't get involved at the price because I thought it was too short. I mean, yeah. I backed the last start at 4.20, so happy to let it run around at 2.60. But I wasn't expecting it to run last. 
But at least on the on a good note, it's good to see that Jai McNeil, who was going to ride uh, Order of the Garter in the Caulfield Cup, has got the ra- he's got the ride on Chapada now, which which happened to win the Herbert Power Stakes. What did you think of that run? Do you think it's a genuine chance in the Caulfield Cup? I think it'll have 50.5 kilos. You know, it's, it's obviously automatically in now. Uh, decent run, but, gee, uh, it's doing better than it had been. I think it had a year or two without a win, so it's good to see it get a couple in, in the last prep. Well, it's been, it showed some really good winter form, and I just had it as a one of those horses that's probably an off-season type of horse, so I probably do think that as going into the Caulfield Cup. I'm not expecting too much from the horse, but he might prove me wrong. I, I, I did have him as a top three selection in, in the race yesterday, so I wasn't um, completely against him, but I did think Order of the Garda would have his measure. But he's a good, solid horse at 2,500. Not too sure at, in a Caulfield Cup, but he, he's, he's shown some good form since the winter. So, I uh, look... I'm not too sure. I'll probably be against it in the Caulfield Cup. I think there's others that be well ahead of it, well ahead of him. Well, that might be a nice little segue, Big V. We, regular listeners will know that I've been getting your weekly updated tip in the in the top in the main four races over the spring, being the Everest Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, and Melbourne Cup. Given we now are on the brink of the Caulfield Cup and indeed the Everest this week, what I might do since we're talking about the Caulfield Cup, get your final say on, on who you think will be winning the race. Um, early early in the podcast, you were on Master of Wine. As soon as Anthony Van Dyke hit Australian Shores, you were firmly in its camp. Uh, is that still the case? I saw that it's now the $5 favourite for the race, Big V. Yeah, it's pretty short now. I mean, I mean, I don't know why it's five dollars. I mean, maybe it's just saying something about our, the opposition. But when I when I picked it a couple of weeks ago, it was a fifteen dollars shot, and I thought, all right, we're not going to get fifteen dollars by race day, but we're probably going to get you know tens, you know maybe twelves because it is carrying the top weight, and the market tends to be turned off by you know the big weights. But now that it's into five dollars. I just think it's pretty tight now. So I'm not getting too excited about that price, but we'll just wait and see what what the barriers come up. No reason to change my view on Anthony Van Dyke at the moment, but I think it comes down to barriers now and, and whether it is a, a $5 chance come Saturday. So I'm going to lock you in as Anthony Van Dyke as being your pick for that race, regardless of what the odds are, Big V. And I might just go through the odds. So you've got Anthony Van Dyke at $5, very elegant, who's come in to, the, to $7 after its great Turnbull win last week. Uh, Finch, who also ran well in that race, is $10, and Master of Wine, 11 So they're the top four in the market. I've been with Master of Wine from the beginning, and I, I really don't see a reason to not stay with it, to be honest, Big V. It uh, hasn't been ridden with the kind of vigour that you would expect from a horse in some of those big races. If you go back and have a look, you can see it's just hand and heels to the line. I think they've got a little uh, special coming for us on, on Caulfield Cup Day with that horse, so I'm happy to stick with it. But Big V, for you, Anthony Van Dyke, no reason to jump off, and I guess we can uh, look like hindsight heroes after the fact uh, next week, Big V. But I will say that I'm not against Master of Wine myself. I think you, you're spot on there. There wasn't much between him and Very Elegant last start in the Turnbull. And one's five, uh, I'm looking at a different market. I've got $5 for Very Elegant. 
and Master of Wine is doubled more than doubled the price at eleven dollars. So, you know, if Master of Wine draws well, can put himself, you know, more handy in the run. You know, we'll just wait and see. So, I think they're they're the two at the moment. Yeah, look, and I, I certainly wouldn't discount a horse like Verily Elegant. I've been on it a couple of times this prep and have been very happy and do have a couple of bets going through both yep. it and Master of Wine, so I'll be happy either way, Big V. But, uh, what and we've we... got four brain as well, which will help her, so it and, depends on how much you yeah. get. Well, it'll help Master of Wine and Very Elegant, and it might even help Anthony Van Dyke as a European horse as well. You, don't, you never know. So uh, still a lot to play out, and as you say, the barriers will be key uh, moving forward, particularly around a, a tighter Caulfield track there. But uh, going back to our race day yesterday, mate, we might move along to the Turak handicap. And we saw Jamie Carr win another Group 1 and on a, on a horse about 20 to 1, Big V. So a lot of people would have been a little bit disappointed to miss it. But Mr Quickie getting the job done quite convincingly in the end. Yeah, I was surprised how well Mr Quickie went. And I think towards the end of the day, I mean, I have to, I have to do my replays again, but a lot of horses were trying to fan out wide. And I think maybe that's why there was a lot... A lot of horses happy to be three wide and four wide. But Mr Quickie, Jamie Carr, just not stick to the rail, but I think she was one of the closest horses to the rail and, you know, the big gap opened up and she just, that's the path she went. I thought Buffalo River was very good as well. I mean, I had my doubts with him at 1,600, second up and a dry track. So I think he's good. I think he's ready to win. And Superstorm was, was great as well. Junipal was the big disappointment. When I saw the money come for him, he started four dollar favourite. There was three ninety that was there late. I thought that was a good sign. I thought you know he's the one that the market's going to come for. And you know when money comes for the Mar and Eustace horses, you tend to be pretty confident. But you know I think something might have been amiss there. And yeah, Cascadian was pretty disappointing as well. I just. Yeah, I think he, he sucks in a lot of punters, Cascadian, but he's, he's a horse that just gets back. He's not flash out of the barriers. Yeah, I'm happy to oppose him wherever he go, wherever he keeps going. If he happens to win, you know, so be it. I'm in that boat with Cascadian. I think it's one of those horses that always runs on nicely into to fourth or fifth, and you say, oh, next start, next start, needs a little bit further, and it just does the same thing next time as well. So you're right, it'll win its races because it's a good horse, but I'm happy to steer clear of Cascadian as well. Personally, I was on Buffalo River, and, gee, the, the ride on that was quite audacious. For a horse that hadn't uh, ever run at stakes level, uh, Williams there really put the foot down at about the 500, I think it was, and I think that really helped Mr Quickie in the end. It sort of split the field up, created that gap for Jamie Carr, and yeah. helped it win the race. But you must say you've got to be impressed that Buffalo River didn't you know, give up. It, it held on for a, a nice second with a fast-finishing superstorm coming in for third. So I think there's a few... Good horses to take out of that race. Obviously, it's a good big group one, so that's not not a massive call. But certainly, Buffalo River and Superstorm in behind Mr. Quickie are two that I'd be uh, keen to keep looking at throughout the spring yeah. if they do run again. Yeah, I can't add too much more to that. I think he had a lot of horses really off the bit, you know, well before the, the home turn. And and I just thought, I knew that's what Buffalo River was going to do, whether he can do it over 16 seconds up. So he's he wasn't. I think he's. I think he's ready now. Third up. 
Now, Big V, one of the more interesting races of the day, not not because of the field size, but just because of the result, was the Caulfield Stakes, where we saw the very heavily backed favourite Russian Camelot and basically the Spruce Caulfield of the entire spring uh, go down at a dollar forty-five to a very impressive Arcadia Queen there in the Caulfield Stakes, and um, I actually jumped on Arcadia Queen. I just thought that at the price, and you know only six horse race that it would be a chance to get Russian Camelot who probably wasn't quite looking to peak in this race with a with a Cox plate on the agenda in two weeks but gee it was an interesting finish what did you make of it Big V are you happy to stick with the Russian Camelot as your on top selection in the Cox plate well I'm not going to jump off it based on this this run I mean he's been beaten by Arcadia Queen and, and these small fields can tend to throw up a result where the the odds-on favourite gets beat. It's just, you know, the tempo can be all over the place. So I'm not going to jump off Russian Camelot yet, but I'll, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be very firm in his corner at the moment. I just think there's, you know, still, I think the Cox Plate is more open now because of it. And Arcadia Queen is just, because she had, you know, the 12 months off, She's just slowly, slowly getting to her best. And I think maybe we're just starting to see that now. And I think she's got to be a factor as well. So, yeah, come to Cox Plate, I'm just we'll wait and see how things unfold. But I'm not gung-ho with Russian Camelot. I think, you know, there are a few other options out there. Yeah, and I, don't, I think the market didn't really react too heavily against Russian Camelot based on that. I think it's drifted slightly to $3.40 with Arcadia Queen, I suppose, being the biggest mover coming into $5.50. But yeah, still a little bit to go before that race. So what I might do, Big V, is we've got Russian Camelot locked in again this week. You've you've told us Anthony Van Dyke will be winning the Caulfield Cup. Now we want to hear who will be winning the Everest this week, mate. So we've been, you know, not all the slots are filled, so <laughs> um, that won't be done until I think Tuesday might be the deadline. But uh, you've been on Nature Strip and were on Nature Strip until it had its bit of a flop last week. So you jumped across to Gitra. Is Gitra still the one for you, mate, or have you made a last-minute decision for listeners? No, I'm sticking with Gitra. I think the more and more I look at this, the more confident I am with Gitra. I think he's the one. I was just having a look at some of the replays last week and just getting some intel on what I can get on Classic Legend and Libertini from their performances last week. And you know, I think those two horses might be at risk of running flat in the Everest. That was a pretty solid race. And Classic Legend, I was surprised it ran into Premier. I thought maybe it might have, after its first up win, go straight to the the Everest and Libertini that massive performance she's got to replicate that and I think Gitra has just been sitting quietly at home going about its you know track work and yeah I think he'll come out firing and fresh and ready to explode all right well you heard it here first Gitra for the Everest now um if listeners do care my still on top for me is Classic Legend but I think the forgotten horse in the Everest is Bivouac so you're currently getting $12 bivouac. And this is a horse that put together a performance in the new market last year that had to be seen to be believed. Absolutely burning all kinds of 
records and you know rating absolutely through the roof and you're getting $12 about it so I will definitely be having a saver on Bivouac because if it can replicate that performance I think it wins and I think it just has been forgotten because it doesn't sort of start its preparations too strongly it really needs to build into them and Gee, I tell you what, yeah, twelve bucks. I'll be, uh, I'll be keen to have a little bit of that, and hopefully, you might even get a little bit better on the day. Well, I've been very strong that there's not very many winning chances in the Everest, and I suppose as we get closer to the day, my my opinion might start to waver because we're going to hear a lot of, particularly from the Sydney racing journals, they're going to be really talking up this race and talking up every runner in the race because. That's what they have to do. And so we're going to hear a lot of um, how Behemoth can win and Bivouac and Eduardo and Tafani. And and I just think I just got to, if I'm firm that there's only a few chances, I've just got to block out the noise that I'm hearing. And look, Bivouac, I think, yeah, Bivouac, if he runs up to that new market, yes, he can win this. But I think he's not going to get the same race shape that he did in that new market. Down the straight at Flemington, they tend to go bit slow and then they build up and I think that suits him in the Everest he's not going to get that he's, we're going to get fast speed with Nature Strip and Farnham and that might take him out of his comfort zone so that's why I'm I'm sticking with Gay Truck because I think he can handle that high pressure and just and still be strong well yeah no I don't disagree with that and that's probably why I'm I'm leaning towards Classic Legend as my on top selection I just think at $12 it's been forgotten and with a lot of spruiking of other horses but what is guaranteed is that it really is looking like a great race again this year, Big V. I know that you've been talking about the fact that it's probably not as strong as it has been in the past, and I'll agree with that. But when you look at those top five or six horses, they're, you know, they're as good as they get in terms of sprinting in the world, and um, it'll be a, a great finish, I think, and well-deserved whoever does get the job done there. But what I might do now, Big V, is you've, you've given us your Everest pick. You haven't moved at all this week, so you've stuck with Gitra, you've stuck with Russian Camelot. I want to hear if you're still sticking with Santiago in the Melbourne Cup. I guess nothing much has changed since we spoke last. No, not really. I'll just get the Melbourne Cup market up. But no, not too much has changed. Um, Santiago is still a pretty good price at $13. So, yeah, I'm happy to stick with him. But I think as we get closer to the day or closer to the Melbourne Cup, I'll I'll have a deeper look into the international form. But I see Tiger Moth is now the favourite ahead of Russian Camelot now. So I'll have to look into Tiger Moth as well and just do the replays, but no, I'll stick with Santiago. What I can moment. say, Big V, is that if you had got on the horses that you've put down a couple of weeks ago, Anthony Van Dyke has come in from $15 into $5, Russian Camelot $6 into $3.40, Santiago's come in from 15 I think, into about 10 or $11. So if you were able to jump on those when you first mentioned them, you've done well just from a value perspective at least, even if they don't happen to get the job done. So I hope a few listeners have managed to do that. Well, I think the reason why their prices are firming is because we're not going to see them until these races. So there's not a chance for them to perform poorly and their price comes out like a nature strip or even an order of the garter yesterday. Now he's out of the Caulfield Cup, but his price blew out from $8 to $26 before he was taken out of the market. So I think that's why these internationals are firming because we we can't see them. We can't make a judgment on whether they're going good or bad. So I think that's why 
you know, those prices are coming in. Well, I think also they're kept pretty safe, particularly until they actually land in Australia. We can see that they're going to be in the race. They've settled well. You know, they're not, they're, they haven't had any untoward incidents because of the travel. So I think they're kept, kept quite safe early in the market. And when they have got here and, you know, it looks like they're on track, then they can shorten a little bit. Uh, as we've seen but certainly some good value to be had there early big v i'm not sure we've still got it now particularly with horses like anthony van dyke but um if you were able to get on early you've done well because if i go make just one last point on the caulfield cup with the prices like very elegant winning the turnbull well there wasn't much between her finch and master of wine but the and toffee tongue and yeah and toffee tongue but because very elegant won the race the reaction of the bookmakers is to firm that price in, whereas Finch, Master of Wine and Toffee Tongue, they ease out a little bit or they don't really tighten. But had Finch won by a nose, then Finch is $5 instead of very <laughs> elegant. So, And because of that, Anthony Van Dyke has kept on firming in the market because he's not running, whereas these other horses, they're only got beat, you know, a nose you know, half a length by Very Elegant, and their prices just creep out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think there can be overreactions. You know, half a length is not much and only a little bit of a little check in running or anything can really impact a horse and just missing the start and, and suddenly you're, you're not half a length in front of other horses. So I agree with that big V. I think the prevailing view, though, with Very Elegant is that she's only going to get better at 2400 and if we do get a little bit of rain, a bit of cut out of the ground, as you said, will only help that particular horse. But I do get your point and I agree. That's where we can find some value in some of these markets rather than just following in the last start winner but actually having a look at uh, how you know, the prevailing races did unfold. Um, and with the Everest... Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, Phil. With the Everest, there's one slot left to fill, as you mentioned. Yep. Have you got a, an idea or an opinion which horse should take that slot? Oh, far be it for me, mate. You know, Chris Waller and the team there, I think, have that final slot and are, and are feverishly making that decision. I mean, there was a couple was of good runs. Was it something you saw yesterday that should get it? There was a pretty good horse. What, what was a race, Big V? I did see a. Um, I was actually on it, so I should have. Re- I should be able to remember this a little bit better than I have. Just picking Wild too many Ruler. You can't even remember. Wild Ruler was a good run, wasn't it? Uh, there, it, there's no reason why it couldn't get the job done in an Everest, is there? No, I think uh, yeah, Wild Ruler is an option. I think yeah, I mean. It did win at 1,200, but, yeah, it's one of five-horse field, just whether just whether it can do it with a stronger tempo. So, yeah, Wild Ruler. I mean, I think the safer option for me would might be Dirty Work, but yeah, I think dirty with Dirty Work, work it, I think he's a length to two lengths behind Geetra and Classique Legend. We did see that. I think if you want to get a horse that can run top six, Dirty Work might be the safe option. Wild Ruler... There might be a bit of X factor with him. He might run bottom three, or he might be a big surprise and and run somewhere in the top four or five. Yeah, no, look, I think it's a pretty hard call, and I, as we've discussed previously, it's not uh, you're not get picking from the best of the bunch anymore. Of course, Dirty Work ran on really well, but is that the kind of form that wins an Everest? Probably not. You had uh, we'll touch on this later with one of our listener questions, but we also had Alligator Blood, I guess, having another crack at the title on the weekend and. If it's not winning over 13, probably not going to be winning over 1,200 in an Everest. So, yeah, there's a few options available, but I don't think this will be the winning slot, put it that way, Big V. 
But what we do want to find, Big V, some horses to follow, horses that will be winning next up. And uh, look, for once, my multi got up, Big V. You were very happy to see that, obviously, with Swatsat and Windstorm getting the job done early there at Caulfield. And I, I do really think Swatsat in the second there is a horse that we can follow in. It uh, raced up there on speed, held off a fast finishing, finishing Montesiro. And uh, on to bigger and better things, I think, for Swatsat moving forward. It looks an impressive horse. Uh, other horses that ran on well, I mentioned Broadway in fourth. I think it was a good thing beaten. I think it's one you can follow. It's always honest, and you're always getting a decent price. So I'm happy to take a little bit of risk if you're getting 20 to 1 about a horse. And the final one for me, horses to follow, I'm happy to stick with Diamond Effort. I think it's it's had its good preparation last time. It's come into bigger and harder races this time, and it definitely hasn't let people down with its performances. Yesterday, just not being able to hold on to against dirty work, but it is the kind of horse that puts itself in the right position to win a race. So in terms of uh, sticking with it, I'm happy to do that with diamond effort. But Big V, are there any horses to follow that stand out for you? Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier Buffalo River. I think at Flemington, maybe if it runs in the Cantala, might be worth having a look at. And also from that race, Superstorm, and the stablemate Windstorm, they might both go to the Golden Eagle. I think that would be really good chances as well. I'm not sure about Alligator Blood and that Silver Eagle form yet. Alligator Blood, and though he did disappoint market-wise, he looked like he was a horse that was one pace that may be looking for that 1,500. So Superstorm, Windstorm, they might be options for the Golden Eagle. And I thought personal, if she keeps on going towards the Oaks, I was surprised that her price was $16 in the end. I had her as a third pick for the 1,000 guineas. So, yeah, surprising to see that she eased in the market. So that was a good run, and she might be be one that you can look at stepping up in distance. Well, you mentioned the Golden Eagle there, Big V, and that's a nice segue into our listener question for this week. So um, we had a gentleman named Chris on our Twitter handle ask us a question and it does relate to the golden eagle though on a slightly different track so the question is what did you guys make of alligator blood's run in the silver eagle yesterday do you think it is still on track to win the golden eagle so obviously that was over 1300 and alligator blood just got done by flit uh in a in a pretty competitive finish there big v what are your thoughts about chris's question there from twitter Yes, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to, not too disappointed with Alligator Blood's performance. I was expecting him to win and I would have liked to have seen him win. At 1300, it was a much better performance than his first up run. Yeah, he got beat by Flit. Look, I think he looked like he was he needed the fifteen hundred. That's been his target. They decided not to go for the Everest. They're going for the Golden Eagle. Although he did disappoint in the market. He was a I think he opened about a dollar eighty and I think he might have eased out to about two eighty for the Silver Eagle. And uh, I'm just I'm not gonna jump off him yet, but I'm not um, he's a six dollar favourite for the Golden Eagle. I think a lot more to play out. I think once these um, the Perth horses go up, Superstorm and Windstorm, you'll see their their prices firm in the market. So, oh, look, I won't jump off Alligator Blood. I think he's looking for the 1500, but I'm not convinced that he's going as well as, as, well as he was 
as a three-year-old. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It hasn't quite come back in the same manner. And often with races, Big V, I never tend to worry too much about what the market's doing. But yesterday's drift was quite alarming from Alligator Blood. So I'm really keen to see what happened in that market moving forward towards that race because obviously there was a, a tip that it wasn't quite going to get the job done yesterday. I mean, a dollar eighty after 280 is significant in terms of its yeah. percentage chance to win that race. So I want to see what it goes up, but also where the money comes through it and that's Golden Eagle before I'm jumping on because if it does drift again, uh, I might be steering clear of it, which is something I didn't expect to say about that particular horse in this prep. But if it does firm and then there is money for alligator blood, then I think that's a pretty good sign that it, the horse is ready to go and really be competitive in that race. So yeah, it's a good question from Chris. Um, you know, some big races coming up over the next few weeks, Golden Eagle being one of those. Um, Although I know, Big V, personally, you've had some uh, negative things to say about the race. Don't know where it, you know, you're still, uh, still, still a little bit negative on it, mate, or you, you're coming around to the Golden Eagle? No, no, just, it's a race, it's on Derby Day. You've got a 1,600-metre race on Derby Day, you know, the Cantala Stakes. You know, the four-year-olds are going to go off to Sydney for this $7.5 million race, and I just... I mean, you've got a group one that's 1,600 metres that horses aren't going towards because of this race. It's just, it doesn't work with the pattern and it's, you know, it's just something that I, I don't, you know, I'm not a fan of. I mean, the Everest is different because it it falls in a spot on the calendar where it doesn't impact too much on what's happening in Melbourne, although I think some of those valley races do get impacted a little bit, the Moya and the Manicato. And also the Scalacci yesterday, that wasn't a vintage field. So, yeah, it's just the, the, the Golden Eagle's a good idea, but it's I think it's on the wrong day. Same with the the SESS stakes that's on the same that's um, going to be on the same day. I mean that will impact what will happen in the the sprint race the following week at Flemington, the VRC sprint. But seeing that you mentioned the Golden Eagle, I will mention that. I thought the Silver Eagle yesterday was a pretty disappointing race. I mean, there was only seven runners. I don't think there was a lot of depth in that race as well. When you compare it to the following, the, the previous year where we had 12 runners and it looked like a pretty strong race. I mean, Buffalo River ran on that day and ran last. And I, don't think it, I don't think it was right on that day. But you look at that the field last year and it was pretty solid. And I'm just wondering whether... This, the New South Wales border shutdown with Victoria might have had an impact on trainers not wanting to send their horses to Sydney because there was a couple of small fields yesterday. I know the the border closure has has eased, but I just think the trainers down in Melbourne are pretty much set on keeping their horses in Melbourne. So I thought the Silver Eagle as a race yesterday was pretty lacklustre. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, Big V. It was something I was going to ask you about. I did think there were very small fields yesterday. You mentioned in the Wild Ruler race there was only five horses, but throughout the day I can't remember there being, aside from maybe one of the races, you know, more than sort of ten horses in a race. And I thought the fields were very disappointing up there in Sydney in terms of the of the size. I think the quality was still there. You still had some good horses running around, but, yeah, just that, I guess, extra field sizes is something you like to see as a punter. Um, although I must say, with a lot of the sporting age betting agencies, corporates, giving you bet returns across some of these races, 
it's not a bad thing to have a six-horse field because you can bet out pretty confidently on the winner. And even if your horse finishes yeah. second, third, you're going to get your bet stake back as a bet return. So it does actually have a little bit of an interesting dynamic for punters, I think, sometimes with the small fields. But overall, from a racing purist perspective, yeah, I think a bit disappointing from yeah. Sydney. Oh, we saw, by the way, Big V, did you catch uh, we're on the Sunday here after the big race meeting yesterday? And Cranbourne Cup was running one today, mate. Did you, did you take a look at Cranbourne? I think... Any punters that had a little bit of money left over from uh, Caulfield and Randwick would have done quite well. I didn't see many Cranbourne races today. I just had a little bit of a break, but I did catch the the Cranbourne Cup and I saw there was a bit of an upset in that race with Future Score winning and Odeon also, run, uh, Odeon also paying well for the second place and Dr. Jewel getting beat. So I did see that race and... And then I also saw the next race with Cordilla winning as a $2 favourite. And, you know, she's had a an unlucky preparation. She was only beaten two lengths by How Romantic the start before. So, yeah, she's got a, a well-deserved win. I had an un... Well, it's funny you say that because I had an unlucky horse uh, daily double, Big V. I had Excel Man, I think, won the third race and it had a bit of a wretched prep. It was the horse, people remember, that uh, the jockey uh, weighed in light on that horse and it costed a, a win. And then last start, uh, the race, obviously there was a, a jockey for, which, is, which which was terrible, meant the race was uh, called off mid-race. So it got its deserving win today at Cranbourne for this prep, which was which was good to see. All up Cordilla, who, as you say, uh, has had a bit of an unlucky preparation as well and probably should have won at Flemington the previous start. So... Uh, yeah, good day out there at Cranbourne. Obviously, no 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 uh, no punters out there on on the on the on the course, which is always a little bit disappointing. But uh, I guess we're getting used to that now, Big V. But the fields have backed up pretty well because we had Cranbourne Friday night with the Pinker Pinker Cup or Pinker Pinker Plate, whatever it's called, and also you know Saturday Caulfield and you know a couple of decent races at Cranbourne on Sunday, and just having a look through the fields and you know there's a couple of handy horses you know that were running ancestry winning race six and groundswell winning race seven ancestry's win you should go have a look at that one big v it was very impressive absolutely blitzed the field there and yeah groundswell as well very very impressive win so there was plenty of money to be won uh, again at cranbourne on sunday but i might just wrap it up there big v um big day of racing obviously and we've got uh, the caulfield cup everest this week we've also got the mighty brisbane lions taking on geelong in the prelim so good luck there big v and what we'll do we won't have time for a sports segment this week but we'll do a big preview from a gambling perspective on the afl grand final in next week's episode so hopefully we can be talking about brisbane uh brisbane at the line big v next week yeah it was a yeah it's it's good having the week off watching the footy you know when your team's you know having the week off it's you know just eases the nerves and the the anxiety a bit so that was good so I, I was hoping that Collingwood might have been able to rough up Geelong a little bit last night but you know they were a little bit disappointing I uh, have to say well they didn't manage to get the ball big V so it's roughing up was their only option but anyway um we're probably uh Exhausted ourselves. Definitely time to wrap up with when you bring up Collingwood after last night's effort. So thanks, Big V. Good to have a chat. Good to get your tips moving forward into a big weekend of racing again this week. And 
all the best for the week. And uh, as always, mate, good luck on the punt.